You're listening to Adamair MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Alright guys, welcome back, welcome back. Uh, to the third part of this uh alien conspiracy. First you heard how I told you how they had a conspiracy against the Holy Spirit and how they hit, are hiding the Nemesis system and Nibiru. And then you met Miss Roxy Firestone, who works for the Federation of Light and the Church of F.U. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to take a little bit of a different turn. I got a few stories for you. One about Elvis being a shapeshifter. <laughs> And the connection to the Twin Peaks Festival? I'm gonna get deep on that motherfucker. There's one about the Carpenters in 1977. Calling occupants of inner... <laughs> oh god, I couldn't say it right, hold on. Tonight, the Hardy Boys in the disappearing floor. Thanks, guy, I needed you to get that out of the way, so... Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. It was actually a cover from a band called Clatu. The off-the-grid and unofficial story about the Carpenters. I got a story about the Dalai Lama that promises not to suck corn nuggets. And I also got another one about what happened to me on December 21st, 2007. All coming up tonight. We're going to take a look at the year 1977. But before we do, <laughs> tonight's episode is brought to you by Super Lemonades, a usable marijuana sativa, and by Sour Diesel, a trusted name you can smoke for a long fucking time now. Okay, I'm five years old sitting in the fucking theater, and it's dark, and then all of a sudden... It's just like... No one had ever heard anything like it before. <laughs> the first time Darth Vader shows up, my five-year-old ass was just like everybody else in this fucking country, specifically America. <laughs> but it affected the whole world, you know the story. Now Disney whores it out on their little fucking Disney Plus. They fucking ruined it after Return of the Jedi, basically. And by the way, George Lucas wanted David Lynch to, re to fucking direct fucking Return of the Jedi. That's what it was. You may or may not know that part. <clears throat> anyway, a few things happened. The first story I'm going to tell you is that Elvis died in 1977, and he was reading a book about two CIA agents that go to Golgotha where Jesus was crucified to collect his blood sample in order to clone him. And the second one was the Carpenters. <laughs> and this other connecting story that I put together was Southern Broadcasting out of the UK while everybody was watching their little uh, newscast an alien named Vermillion shows up 
and gives this announcement about world peace. <laughs> so we're going to start on that right now. Hold on. Oh shit, it's getting fucking risky in here. Getting fucking frisky, boys. Holy shit. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Let's start with the Elvis shit. So recently I was on Facebook again, and I don't really condone Facebook. I know that there's some Nambla ties in there and shit. That's not what this is about, but at one point I'm going to expose those fucking dicks too. Fucking child predating fucks. Anyway, at this point I'm on a new page called Between Two Worlds. It's a Twin Peaks forum. And my friends, I had my friend Andy Glass who was on here earlier. They were talking about going to Graceland to go see the Twin Peaks Fest. And as far as I'm aware, man, there, <laughs> there's not really any Elvis Twin Peaks connection. I told this to Andy. Andy's pretty, you know, he, he goes for the more simpler answer and says, well, I think they're just trying to have fun. <laughs> well, to my conspiratorial ridden mind, that doesn't quite equate. Well, first of all, we all know about our favorite fucking lizard dicks in control of everything. How they fucking do what they do and all that shit. And if you need me to reiterate, there's a certain number of fucking alpha draconian lizard dicks. Basically running all the networks and shit. You like Fox, ABC, CBS. Well, now CBS wants to get their hands in on this... Twin Peaks property after the Showtime release. Well, of course they do. Plus, Mark Frost has made a bank off the book. All of a sudden, they got this fucking interest. Why? On one end, it just looks like, well, it's corporate shit, blah, blah, blah. That's just how it goes. Let's take a look back. Elvis's last show, he was with a little girl from the Sioux Nation, Native American tribe. You can look the footage up. There's a couple guys. There's a guy named Mr. Happy on YouTube. He gets pretty ridiculous about covering this Elvis shape-shifting, basically. It's no lie. They went back over the fucking footage and changed it pretty scary when you see this side of his face all sagging out you're like well is he having a heart attack has he got nerve problems no motherfucker he's shape-shifting and he wasn't meant to be doing that by the time he looks he looks so bad and his face just looks like a turtle or a weird snake or some bullshit it's pretty awful looking I mean you're gonna be like having a hard time looking at the keen the king of rock and roll, if that's how you want. You may not care about Elvis. You may be like, oh, it doesn't surprise me, or got some snarky shit. Well, I never really was that big of an Elvis fan, but I always thought he was weird. But I never really got into him. I wasn't into the rockabilly shit, but he was an interesting character. 
He just seemed like he wasn't always there or whatever, you know. So anyway, according to this footage, he shapeshifts and it's obvious that the people that are with him are shapeshifters too. He goes and does a show and it's his last performance. So the story says when he died, he actually killed himself. And he shot himself on the toilet. He was already having a heart attack or whatever, dude, you know. Something fucked up. And he was reading a book that was really stressing him out because in the end of Elvis's career, he was gospel. And if you listen to those last records, you don't have to, but, you know, just chronologically, he goes from rock and roll to gospel at the end. Just like a lot of motherfuckers who have lived fast lives and... Well, I don't have much time left when you start thinking about that shit, you know? Well, he was reading a book about... It was written in 1974. And it was about two CIA agents that go to Golgotha, the place of the skulls, where Jesus would have been crucified. Why are they there? Well, they're looking for a blood sample. They're looking for this blood sample so they can bring it back to the States and clone Jesus. That kind of make him his doppelganger, you know? Sound familiar? Anyways, this freaks Elvis out. He's already got the fucking Draco blood in him now. I'm pretty sure that the way they initiate these guys too is they stick that tadpole under the tongue and it bores its way into the cerebral cortex and it allows them to have capabilities that humans don't necessarily have. Pretty scary shit, right? You know, after Elvis died, people could go to Graceland and they could do these tours, but you couldn't go into the bathroom upstairs, but you could go upstairs and see the master bedroom and this whole fucking thing or whatever. You just couldn't go into the bathroom. Hmm. So Andy Kaufman, if you don't know who Andy Kaufman is, go wiki the motherfucker, but famous comedian, go watch Jim Carrey do The Man on the Moon. It's a great movie, whatever. Andy Kaufman decides, I'm going to go into the bathroom, and he kicks in the door in front of all these people that are on tour in Graceland and he kicks in the door he pulls his pants down he pulls out a squirt gun and he starts squirting himself in the head saying I'm Elvis hmm anyway not only was the bathroom off limits but the whole upstairs to Graceland after that and anybody that's been to Graceland after that incident, they may not know why they couldn't go upstairs, but that was why. Because Mr. Kaufman decided to fucking ex exert some of his patented comedy. <laughs> anyway, I'm a Twin Peaks junkie, man. Nowhere through there is there ever... Really, I, there might be like one little tiny loose reference to Elvis, but... Graceland. He's a shapeshifter. He shot himself because of the clone. 
finally I was like, well, I'm on the Twin Peaks forum. I'm just going to go ahead and write a letter about it. And guess what? They censored it. They wouldn't let me post it. And they knew what it said before I even sent it in. There was obviously key words in there. You want to talk about some conspiracy shit, motherfucker? Oh, that's not enough proof for you. Okay. <laughs> so, what's the connection? The Twin Peaks, Tulpa, the doppelganger, Elvis being one of the draconian, CBS being ran by draconians, taking over Twin Peaks. You starting to get a theme here? Hmm. Anyway, I wanted to dig into that motherfucker and fuck the Twin Peaks forum too. You guys fucking suck and you're censoring lizard dicks, sympathizer ass. <laughs> you know, you guys are just asking for it. You know that? Humans don't have a tendency to stay down. Humans have a tendency to act like an animal that's been wounded trapped into a corner or a cage. Keep fucking with them. They're gonna snap back. What's the connection? You tell me. Nineteen seventy seven was a busy year. You know, you had Elvis in one corner and in the other corner you had this weirdo kind of experience that I had to do a little detective work on. It wasn't uh, the easiest thing, but I remembered a couple things. I remembered the Carpenters with their goofy-ass fucking alien special in like 78, calling occupants of interplanetary craft. I don't know if that was the name of the show or not. I'll go tell you in a minute what the actual show title was but that was weird and then I remember there was this other incident at the same time where uh, an alien came over the southern broadcasting in UK that's pretty much like UK's CBS or NBC southern broadcasting this isn't the Carpenters. This version is Clatu. And a lot of people who were really extreme Beatles fans at this time, they were like, that's the Beatles. Under a pseudonym. You have to remember where the term Clatu comes from. It comes from the 1953 war, or uh, the day the earth stood still, excuse me. And that was how you got Klaatu to move. You had to say, Klaatu Barada Niktu. <laughs> well, this, this album did fucking great. And everybody was like, wow. You gotta remember, this is like a year before Star Wars. And it's a year before The Carpenters release their version of it. Sounds pretty normal, right? Just normal music involvement. Um, here's the deal. No. 
And I say no because you have to do this little sound effect that goes with it, right? Okay. Now here's the deal. Here's the Carpenter's version. <laughs> the off-the-grid story was that after that album that Klaatu had released that one, the Carpenters were technically missing for nine months, Richard and Karen. They don't ever talk about it. You can't even find information on it anymore, but I remember it. Unless it was some Mandela effect shit, or else I smoked too much weed. And very, Either one of those are very strong possibilities. <clears throat> Nonetheless, I want you to take a listen to the Carpenters' version of what you just heard. And here's that. Here, Here's their version of this. Did you hear it that time? According to an inside story I got, they just appeared out of nowhere, standing next to Skip Stevenson at the studio, whatever they were at, and everybody was like, where have you guys been? Are you guys okay? And everybody knew that they were missing. And she, they just pushed it. Well, we're ready to record this. And that, this is what they recorded. Straight to the studio. And then it was even creepier than that because... <laughs> I guess they had bizarre smiles on their faces. And Richard was like, yeah, it's really important that we record this. <laughs> mm. On one end, it sounds peaceful, like, you know, we need to be holding hands through the universe and shit. And it's true. Oh my god. Well. Hmm. You can hear it. <laughs> I think the original version was the exact thing you would think of them breaking through to this <laughs> you know hey you're not the you gotta uh, you gotta be like you're not the only one in the universe dude no shit oh yeah we all dream about this shit right <laughs> Okay, so that's a pretty weird story in of itself, but 
it doesn't really end there, does it? Because your buddy, <laughs> Adam Air MD GED, decided, oh, well, I'm going to put this other piece together, Vermilion. Who's Vermilion? Hold on a second. Fucking Vermilion, huh? This is a sample off of Crazy TV. Uh, I was really the only one I could really find that she did a really good job um, covering this little bit. I'm just going to go ahead and play it for you because she's going to describe it better than I can. But when she does, pay attention to the date. All right. Without fucking around here. Let's see where the fuck it is. I, I really need you to open your hearts up because today's topic is going to be crazy. But I personally believe that anything <laughs> is possible in this oh mysterious God. universe. Alright, yeah, so yeah. today is going to be a topic about aliens. So this is kind of be like an introduction to my alien uh, videos that I really want to do in the future. I'm probably thousands of different... 77. We're going to be talking about something called the Southern Broadcasting Interruption Incident. So this is a mystery that is still unsolved till this day. This was the first major broadcast interruption through the Hannington transmitter of the Independent Broadcasting Authority in the UK. So on the night of November 26th, 1977, newscaster Andrew Gardner was presenting the daily news like he did every single day. Now I believe, I'm not really sure, but I believe it's November 77. You know, times before back then, you only Remember had limited that. channels, so everybody would watch just one channel, which was probably the news or cartoon or some kind of show or drama. Back then, families would come together and just watch one TV, one station. At 5.10 p.m. exactly, the TV screens, whoever was watching, started to wobble. There was a distorted-sounding voice that was supposedly delivering a message to humanity that lasted for six minutes. Now, the person of the voice identified himself as someone named Verlon, who was a representative of the Astro Galactic Command. Apparently, um, Astro Galactic Command hmm. and Verlon is one type of intelligence species, aka an extraterrestrial race species. There's also talks that usually these extraterrestrial species are a multi-dimensional beings. They're not supposed to be the violent type of extraterrestrial species, kind of like the Dracos and Reptilians that has been in the talks, you know, a little by here and there. These are the extraterrestrial mm -hmm. species that are really looking out for us and who speak of peace. After the message, the TV returned to its normal broadcasting, which was followed by the Looney Tunes soundtrack. Now, I'm going to be showing you guys the actual footage in just a second, but it is a little bit creepy if you heard it first. Okay. But hear it over again, it's not that creepy, but... Alright, and now I'm going to play you that sample here. Hold on. Thanks, Crazy, for the breakdown. Okay, I'm going to try to bring this up here, but you got to admit, man, the connection between the Carpenters releasing that thing and them being gone, and then all of a sudden you got this alien voice coming over the Southern Broadcast <coughs> system um, during the news, and it's almost like a direct response to it. Or were Karen and Richard really hanging out with this guy? You know, and then he just went ahead and sent his little message after the fact, after the he sent the carpenters back, because this is, this is it. I'm just going to go ahead and fucking play, hold on. It may not sound that great on that end. ...to negotiate an internal settlement based on one man, one vote. But, he says, there are conditions. 
This is the news and it's about to be interrupted. I know it's hard to understand. Attention. You have the meaning of your existence. 
What in the fuck? Do you even know what to make of that, huh? Probably didn't understand a lot of it, but I'm sure a few words popped out. <clears throat> and if you really want to look it up and it's already mapped out and crazy even maps it out and tells you what it is and all this stuff, but it's just an intergalactic message of peace. But I didn't really want to talk over it because it's pretty legit to me and it totally connects to that carpenter shit. Karen and Richard. I don't know. <laughs> they had good hearts. I mean, the whole messages are about the heart, you know, even though it comes off eerie. And even, and even though I know the message is like clear, loud and clear, crystal fucking clear, we need to get our shit together and start observing peace on a world and galactic end eventually. But man, it still comes off eerie. Mm. Mm, mm. All right, let's go on to the next one. I got two stories that revolve around myself, and I think the first one I'm going to tell is what happened to me on December 21st, 2012. All right, hold on. <laughs> December 21st, 2007. I was living in Oakland, California, and I was in my third year of spiritual learning things were going deep man i don't think people understand like if you really want to get on take a piggyback ride with the creator down the fucking creator hole about to get your fucking mind blown out eight ways from sunday <laughs> anyway one of the things i learned in 2007 was that december 21st 2007 was actually the mayan December 21st, 2012. You know, and if you look back, you can see where the CIA was pretending to be these Nibiru chasers. And you know they're CIA because they give these false flag fucking events all the time about when Nibiru's supposedly coming through and da 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 da. You know, they're fucking lying. You know, we've already, we already know that much. We've already established that much. They're fucking liars. But really, you know, I had learned that they use solar year. They go by, you know, solar calendar. So really, it was about five years off, and it was like that at that time. And it's kind of an eerie one, guys, so I'm going to play some kind of music. Hold on. I'm going to find something really delectable. It was a dark-ass time, man. A dark ass time in 2007. <sighs> I was having these weird vision dreams, and I kept seeing myself having to go to the end of the San Francisco Peninsula, this place called Land's End. About a month before that, I was with my friend and my girlfriend who had just left me, and we were right next to Land's End. And the sky was bright orange, and there was a UFO just kind of floating there. 
and uh, I kept it. My girlfriend left. I wasn't well. I was taking mismedicated shit. Out of my fucking mind, losing my shit, getting visions. It was hell. <laughs> so I ended up uh, out on this uh, land's end. A place where it's like this fucking sundial. There's a sundial maze in it. And I, the vision, I was supposed to stand in the maze, and then I was supposed to take a running jump off this cliff at 8.21 p.m. And you're talking about a 200-foot cliff. It takes a lot of balls. I'm only in my, like, third year, you know. It's kind of like Neo jumping off the thing, and everybody's all, oh, no one ever makes it, man. That's what I felt like at that moment. I felt like I was being tested in the matrix and I was standing on the cliff and it was like coming up on 8.21 p.m. My grandparents had begged me not to do this thing. I don't know why I told them. Pretty mean thing to do, kind of. I'm already dealing with mental illness and the medications aren't working. I'm spiritual. I'm coming into Jesus. A lot of shit. I already believe in aliens. He's already got aliens going down my throat. A21 shows up. I went to go make the run for it, and I stopped, and I couldn't do it, man. <laughs> I went back up this hill. I was next to a VA hospital, and it turned into a Sam Raimi thing where these woods started attacking me, and I finally got up to this fucking bus stop and there was the guy from Hellraiser what is your pleasure the bum the greasy bum fuck and he goes it's a good thing you didn't jump I can't imagine he wants too many people from here and I was like huh and he pulled his little fucking vest back and he had a, a brown recluse bite on him and I was like and he started laughing, and he's like, yeah, he doesn't really want anybody from here. Ha, ha, ha. And I knew it was the devil. I fucking ran to the bus. He was following me. I fucking yelled at him, and the bus came, thankfully. I got on the bus. Went down back to Oakland. And I was like, freaking out. I tore apart my whole fucking apartment, man, and was tearing my art up and my toys. It was a fucking disastrous scene, dude. <laughs> I was a fucking demon. I cried all the way back, and you know, that's a long-ass bus ride from the end of that peninsula to the BART, wait for the BART, go to West Oakland, you gotta walk down fucking another goddamn two miles, I mean, you know, it takes an hour. So, you know, I decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and end this shit. I grabbed a fucking butcher knife and I held it to my throat and the fucking phone rang. <laughs> and I had a landline phone and it was only because it just came with the apartment. It was just part of the, 
deal. I don't know. It just, I don't know why. No one's got my fucking landline number. I don't even know what it is. I was one fucking second away from fucking taking this fucking butcher knife to my throat, man. And I get the call. And even though I'm playing the Hellraiser music right now, because you got to imagine, to this point, it's been pretty Hellraiser-y. But hold on, let me switch it up, because the story does take a dramatic turn, and it doesn't end all fucking gory or anything, thank fuck, but it, it does get pretty fucking intergalactic. So hold on a second, I'm going to put something different on now. Because music is key. <laughs> Suddenly the story takes an Eastern philosophy and somewhere even deeper than that, man. Maybe even closer to the Andromedan Galaxy, rather. <laughs> I think at that point, I had to flash back about six or, I don't know, about a month, a year and a half before that, really, you know. And I was working for my boss, John Eric, who was running this underground, it was the last of the free underground newspaper press, Mad Happies. <laughs> and I was doing these comics and shit. <clears throat> and we ended up doing this convention or whatever. It was like a small press expo or whatever. It might have been Ape, now that I think about it, but um, anyway, I was in there and I was with my friend. Byron was there. Byron showing up again. <laughs> Whatever, you brown recluse. Anyway, uh, <coughs> so I see this uh, beautiful black woman, and she's standing there, and she looks all concerned at this table, and she's trying to raise this money. Um, all right, I'll, I'll bite. What's going on? She's with this hip-hop artist named Wiseproof. He seems really chill. We ended up smoking a J a little bit later, but at that moment I was like, what's the problem? I knew there was. She said, I went to Burning Man last summer and these guys illegally detained me for no fucking reason and kept me in their little Burning Man jail. And I said, there's a Burning Man jail? <laughs> She goes, you better believe it. There was a bunch of UK art graffiti artists in, in like right behind her in line, and they all saw what was happening, this illegal like search and seizure and all the shit, and the graffiti artists saw it. They were the only like real witnesses to it, apparently. They threatened the graffiti artist and said, hey, you want some of the same? So basically... This girl, I'll just call her Kay. My lovely friend Kay. Violated by Burning Man. Sounds pretty racist shit or whatever. I mean, that's what I kind of got out of it. And so did she at that point. So we're like, you know, becoming friends. So we're just like six hour period that we're talking and stuff. And then I, I never saw her again. I gave her my number. She asked me if I would want to give a piece. So I gave her a piece that I had in the Mad Happies. And I did, it was like this, you know, it, I think it was called We Are All Subhumans. 
She ended up selling it to one of the graffiti guys for 250 bucks. And, uh, you know, we became friends. I never heard from her again, man. I went back to my life, everything. I was drawing one day. About six months after that, I got this phone number, you know, or phone call, I mean, excuse me. I'm pretty baked on Super Lemon Haze, everybody. Thank you. Woo! Anyway, uh, I get a phone call. And she's crying. And I said, what's wrong? She said, well, I need to see my father. And she's like, I'm close by to your house or whatever, I think. And I need to ask you for money. And I happened to be doing all right at that point. There was money. <laughs> I said, come on down, dude, you know. So I gave her this money to go see her dad. And her sister was lovely. They were lovely women. Beautiful women. And just like that, she said she wouldn't forget it. And she took off. Alright, so here it is. December 21st, 2007. I haven't talked to this lady in like a year and a half. Or I don't know. Seemed like a fucking long time, man. And it's her on the phone. And she goes, You want to kill yourself? And I was like, uh, yeah, who the fuck is this? She goes, it's Kay. Took me a minute to process. I was like, Kay? She goes, look, I'll be there in an hour. Bring a blanket. I'll see you in an hour. She doesn't know where the fuck I live. I don't even know how the hell she got this number. I was a mess, man. I was about to fucking kill myself. So I said, hey, what the fuck do I have to lose? Let's see where this game goes. I obviously was intervened. My suicide was intervened and that's how it went. So basically, <laughs> I'm sitting there with my blanket. 2007 VW bu uh, Bug, Volkswagen Bug, 2007, right off the fucking line. Pulls up, still has that new car smell. There's wise proof. He just kind of looks at me. He lets me in through the back seat. I'm sitting there. They play some decent tunes. They don't say anything. Kay doesn't say a word to me, man. Had no idea what the hell's going on. She gets on the fucking road. We go across the bridge from Oakland back to San Francisco. She doesn't say a word, man. And uh, I noticed we're heading back towards Land's End. And it was just like my vision, man. In this weird way, it was coming into manifest again. I just made this huge loop. I'm like heading back here again tonight. Same night. But this time, she just kept going. She kept driving past it, dude. And I started thinking about it. And she, you know, five miles past... Land's End is uh, Palisade or Pacifica, sorry Pacifica and there's a Crescent Canyon there and it was a full moon 
And it was beautiful, man. It was a totally different area than that Land's End little scary-ass Hellraiser sundial I'd been standing in. With the old greasy Hellraiser bum fucking rah, 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 brown recluse bite. Fucking dick, get the fuck away from me. So now here I am, here, with these guys. Transcendental Meditation. I was under it. I didn't even have to engage into the practice to get there. I was already there. I always refer to these pockets of reality as being dream vortexes. She gets out of the car. Wiseproof standing next to me. And I know I'm not hallucinating. <laughs> and Kay gets on the ocean. And that's what I mean. She gets on the ocean, not in it. Starts walking on this water. The water's just going around her. She's just standing there. She's looking right at me. I'll never forget it. It was like Mother Earth just looking straight into me. I couldn't even believe it. And then she took a position on the ocean and sat down and crossed her legs and just sat there. And started meditating with the waves going around her. Never once did she get a drop of water on her. You're like, yeah, right, Adam. Listen up, dude. Wiseproof takes a walk with me about 100 yards away from her. We're a distance away from her, but I can still see her sitting on that ocean, meditating. And he goes, you know where we come from? We learn about the Anunnaki when we're in preschool. Right when he said that, I started thinking about that five-year solar difference between 2007 and 2012. I was five miles away from the land's end, and I was in the right place now. Weird, huh? And all the secrets. He started flooding me with the secrets. Things I already knew. Verification. Directly from the Creator. Through this beautiful black man. And I felt like Father Earth was telling me all the shit that I had been seeing in my visions that I was going to get revealed. You know, if I would have jumped off that cliff, what would have happened? Would I have been caught? I'll never know, man. I'll fucking never know. In my vision, I got caught. And some kind of beings take me away and da-da-da-da. It's not really into flesh though, is it? I got Wiseproof, my friend, my brother, telling me this shit, man. Giving me the lowdown about Nibiru, the Anunnaki, the Ajiji, the Nephilim, man, what we are, what we're doing, the two versions of us. At the end, <laughs> we got back down the hill and Kay got off the water. 
and she came off the water and she came towards us and they both were just standing there and, and just kind of in the state of stasis for a minute and she didn't have any water on her dude <laughs> I was amazed I didn't know what to say the whole thing was just out of my range of how I could comprehend shit and at one point they look at each other and they go huh it's obvious they don't know where they're at Kay looks at me and, go, and looks at me and like it took her a minute to register who I was and she goes Adam I said yeah she goes where are we <laughs> I said Pacifica Wiseproof just gets in the car looks like he's gonna throw up from motion sickness you know this reality thing I don't know where I'm at I have no idea big reality skip she goes can you tell me where you live I was like I sure can we took the drive back <laughs> They didn't know where, we, she didn't say anything to me. She didn't know what to say. Wiseproof just looked faint. Not like he was in pain, but that his mind was blown and he didn't understand that something had happened to him. I knew what happened to these guys. The creator sent some buddies to inhabit these guys for a minute and Help me keep the path to where here I am now. Dealing with mental illness. Dealing with all the same shit you guys are. I'm no different. But he sent me some buddies because I've been believing in the creator and we've been loving each other, man. I don't know how to tell you how to do that, dude. That's up to you. Even if you want to do that. I love the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> he sent me two friends. I felt kind of bad for Kay and Wiseproof. <laughs> but they did go and they were in peace. And I was dropped off and I cleaned up all my art and I cleaned up all my shit. And I decided to keep my faith and take merit in all that I did and not the good not the good not the good man I was already inherently good alright this leads me into my next story about the Dalai Lama you thought that one was intense wait just wait all right, I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're in the last fucking part of the show here. You made it this fucking far. <laughs> oh, my God, this fucking weed is really good right now. Okay, so I couldn't really decide what the best music would be for this <laughs> last story, so I just said fuck it. When in doubt, throw on Newth Crush. <laughs> I 
I don't give a fuck if it matches up or not. I just really love New Thrush. Anyway, uh, basically, I was living at a punk rock house in West Oakland. <laughs> and uh, it was called Dead Rat Beach. The fucking Byron again. Fucking guy. Showing up everywhere. Anyway, Dead Rat Beach was a cool-ass punk house. Very West Oakland for the end of that punk rock era. I caught the very fucking end of it, kind of, before the hostile yuppie takeover. <laughs> and basically what happened was we were having a party there one night. And there's younger kids there, you know. I was like 33 or 32. I just turned 31, 32 or 33, 33. Fucking 33 years old. There's all these kids there. There's people older than me too. So it's very eclectic brand of punk rock motherfuckers from all over the Bay Area coming in and out of this place all night. And at the very end of the night, me and Byron... We were walking down the street, and we saw these two girls getting attacked by these fucking dickheads with skateboards, and these guys were, like, attacking these chicks with the trucks of their skateboard, dude. So, you know, me and Byron feel the instantly the same way. We're both good guys. We fucking go after these motherfuckers, and... It wasn't nice, but uh, needless to say, without any descriptions, those guys were gone, and whatever, dude. I made friends with the young girls, and they were like 17. The one chick's name was Isis, and I didn't hear anything back from these girls for like a long time, you know, or whatever. At that time... I was kind of having a fallout with my friend in Colorado, and she had become a Buddhist, and there was something wrong with it, man, like it, there was a number of Buddhists that I met that they are wrong, I don't know what it is, dude, I like the whole Buddhist idea and its own thing or whatever, but sometimes the way it comes out in people... It's pretty fucking bullshit. And I, I can't put my finger on it, man. It's fucking irritating. So, you know. I'm living in this loft in San Francisco. And I had just seen my friend. She had just left. And I had this fucking nightmare. I don't know if it's a nightmare or what was it. <laughs> So basically what happened was, <laughs> me and my friend, her name is Kali Doom, and we were both in Nepal 5,000 years ago in this fucking jungle in Nepal with vines everywhere, leaves, giant leaves, and I look over and there's a guy, he's like this middle-aged Chinese guy or whatever. And he's standing there with these two girls. They're identical. And they're standing in this big old circle filled with syringes. Kind of 
grueling looking. Full moon, you know. I look beside me and my friend Collie Doom's gone. It was frightening. I could tell she was missing. It did it sucked. The Chinese guy goes, You have to go up to the Buddhist temple and I looked up this hill that I was standing at the bottom of and I was like and he goes, Go now so I went up there and I get up to the building and like right when I get to the door, these three spirits fucking enter me, man. Boom, boom, boom. And I was like, what in the fuck? They didn't hurt me or nothing, but I could tell I was carrying three spirits now. I walk into this old beat up wooden room cabin and there's a Buddhist monk sitting at the ta front table. And I go, what is this place? And he goes, it's a Buddhist temple. And I said, what it used to be? And he goes, a mortuary. And right when he said that, he turned into this rotting corpse, you know. Which is pretty typical of a Buddhist monk to do a little snarky trick like that. Anyway, I walked into this wooden, darkened room. I looked in the corner and there were like little kids like crying. I couldn't see them, just silhouette. I had on this old earache death metal hat, you know, like bolt thrower and all those guys. Had the earache hat on and I sat down and I started praying. And the fucking monk comes over and he goes, Take off your hat, you're offending everyone. And I was like, No. <laughs> And he goes, take off your hat, you're offending everybody. Do it now. So I took my hat off. And as soon as I did, Kali Doom appeared next to me. I put my hat back on real fast, and all of a sudden she was in front. On a stage. In front of everybody. The few people that were in this room, you couldn't see who, they, who was really in there. It was eerie, incandescent. All of a sudden, this blonde woman comes out and she looks like she's a representative for AT&T or some bullshit like that and I was like what in the fuck dude and she goes now we're going to do this 10,000 year empowerment and praise Avalokiteshvara and all of a sudden this weirdo ant eater mutant monster thing comes out from behind this curtain and it has this long ass ant eater fucking snout and a fucking tongue comes out and it sucks the three souls that are in me out of me and the three souls fly around its tongue and it gets swallowed And then she says, now we're going to introduce the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama comes out. And he goes to grab my, my friend, Kali Doom, who's obviously under a deep trance. And I was like, no! And I jumped up and I ran after her and the whole room turned into a mouth and spit me out onto the Nepal forest floor and there was a spaceship above me and the Dalai Lama appeared between us 
And he said, you cannot go where we are going, but I still offer you 50,000 years empowerment. And I was like, fuck you. And he got in the spaceship and flew off. Gave me the empowerment anyway. And I woke up and I was like, huh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that's a deep dream. So I think it was like even that day. And I had, I was on an assignment for Mad Happies again. And I had to do my drawing for the month, make my quota. And I get this call. And it's from this girl, Isis, the girl that I saved way back at the Dead Rat Beach party that was getting attacked, you know, with the skateboard by these dickheads. And she goes, yeah, I just turned 18. Again, I don't know how people ever get my fucking number. I never give my number to anybody. So fucking weird. And I was like, okay, cool, happy birthday. And she goes, I need you to come out to my birthday party. And I was like, well, I'm busy. You know, right away I'm apprehensive. I'm like, nope. Oh, come on, please, you gotta come out to my birthday. All right, fuck. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna take a hit off this pipe. Hold on, man. This shit's fucking wild. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I gotta take this long-ass BART ride. BART train out to this fucking place. And... I get there, and it's just kind of normal, you know, all these kids, you know, like young people like I expected. I'm about as out of place as it gets. And I look over in the corner, and there's this heavy set Chinese older lady looking at me like I was the devil. And she was like, talking all loud and all this shit. And, Isis came up to me, and I was like, hey, Isis, it's nice to see you. Happy birthday. Oh, don't worry about her. That's my mom. I was like, does she hate me or something? She's like, no, she doesn't even know what she's talking about. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay. Really David Lynch. <laughs> Again. <laughs> like most alien shit. And all of a sudden, I see this girl, and it's she looks exactly like Isis, and... Oh, it turns out Isis has a twin sister. She has an identical twin sister. I looked in the room where they were, where she came out of, and she came out of this room that was covered with syringes. And I looked at both of them, and they both had track marks on their arms, like they'd been shooting the fuck up. And then their dad comes out from this back room, middle-aged Chinese guy. He says something to Isis. Isis comes over to me and says, well, I got to ask you to spend the night tonight. I was like, why on earth? <laughs> well, my dad wants you to stay. Okay. And... He wants you to go into the prayer room with him right now. I was like, huh? 
the woman, the Chinese lady in the corner is looking evil, man. And I was like, why does he want to take me in the prayer room? I don't know, but he's not allowed to do that. Oh, God. Well, I guess that fucking settles it. So, you know, <laughs> he takes me into the room and he says, Adam, I want to ask you to come to Alameda with us tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Why? What's there? Oh, well, we're going to meet the Dalai Lama. I shit you not. Well, why do you want me to come with you? Well, I just feel like we should ask you to come with us. Don't know why, huh? <laughs> the Chinese lady's getting pissed off, yelling louder. All the kids finally leave. I spend this uncomfortable fucking ass night at this place. Evil, man. It just felt weird. Got up early in the morning, had some shitty fucking coffee, got the fuck going, went to Alameda, got to this gigantic white building, you know, size of a fucking huge city block or whatever. It's like a gigantic auditorium place, you know? And we go inside, and there's this heavy set blonde lady Buddhist monk. And I go, Wow, what's this place? And she goes, It's a Buddhist temple. And I said, what it used to be? And she goes, oh, it was a mortuary. And look, there's the cafeteria, and it used to be the crematorium. Isn't that funny? Uh-huh. Real funny. Eerily, I walk into this main room. It's the exact opposite. It's filled with fake gold, fake fruit, fake light. You can see the kids in the corner crying. I got on my earache hat. I sit down in this floor, and this Buddhist monk comes over to me and he goes, Take off your hat, you're offending everybody. And I said, No. And he goes, Take off your hat, you're offending everyone. And I took off my hat. And everybody saw the stripes on my head. I got these stripes, I'm going to tell you that story at some point about how those got there. And everybody's looking at my tattoo on my head, freaking out with her jaws dropped. About five minutes later, the thing gets started, and all of a sudden, this lady comes out. Blonde lady who looks like she works for AT&T, a representative for AT&T. And she starts talking about as the earth descends towards the sun, the birth of the llamas become greater until finally they're born so fast that they just reset and start over again. And then she starts talking about Avalokiteshvara. Hmm. I didn't see any mutated giant anteaters. <laughs> And it says, she said that, she says, all right, now let's give the empowerment, or the rare 50,000-year empowerment for the, with the Dalai Lama. I was like, oh. And there he was, he came out. And as soon as she gave this weirdo incantation and broke down some quantum physics, interesting shit, it wasn't that it was bad or boring, it was definitely interesting, but as soon as it was over, she said, 
Okay, now everybody can come up and be empowered by the Dalai Lama. And I was like, uh-uh. I heard the creator go, get out. Get out now. As soon as the Dalai Lama like started touching somebody and he had this $50,000 fucking gold Rolex on, I was like, uh-uh. I walked outside, everybody was getting empowered. The twins walked outside and some fat bastard was yelling at these girls. He was like in his 40s and he was like, you guys fucking suck. And the girls are yelling back at him like, we're just fucking da-da-da-da or whatever. Looks like you guys got empowered all right. Not even five minutes out the gate. And there comes the uh, dad and the mom and she finally speaks English and she goes, see, I told you he wouldn't. Huh. The dad looks all bummed out. But I did the same thing I did in my dream. I told him to go fuck himself because you know what? I'm not going to find my spiritual release through man. I'll find them, find it with them, but I won't find it through them. Very bizarre. Very bizarre story. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to wrap it the fuck up. You've been listening to another swell edition of Adam Air MD GED. <laughs> I'm going to go smoke a fucking cigarette and listen to this fucking thing. I think I did a fucking pretty bang-ass job. <laughs> Thank you for attending some underground cartoon therapy. It's good for you, America. <laughs> I'll see you on the next round. Hopefully I told that fucking story right. I guess we'll find out here in a minute. And if I didn't, you'll know it. Be well. If I had never seen a UFO, I, I wouldn't believe in it. I wouldn't believe... I wouldn't believe me if I were you. Because I, I, I have nothing to show you. I can't say, you know, I saw this. <laughs> I just have nothing. All you have is my word. But there is more than just Mrs. K's word. This is from an old UFO with In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. Check this shit out, dude. Old friend. In a recent Gallup poll, 15 million Americans claim to have seen a UFO. 15 million. The same poll showed that 51% of the adult population is convinced that flying saucers are real. The last systematic attempt by the U.S. government to investigate UFOs was conducted by the Air Force and was called Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book ended in 1968. The Air Force had by then investigated more than 11,000 UFO sightings and found explanations for all but 676. The Air Force seemed to have no interest in the sightings it could not readily attribute to earthly phenomena. Perhaps it's time to approach the question of UFOs again, without bias. For we can only hope that if we are being studied by aliens, it is with more thoroughness and care than we have focused on them. Tell them what's up, Leonard. Damn. 
That shit's the truth, yo. Alright, well, this is the real fucking bumper. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Four eerie-ass motherfucking stories. Obviously, aliens are real. Get the fuck over yourself. Hey, man, I love you guys. All I can do is be there with you. Until next time, go huff some Pringles, and I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Adamair MD GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy.